From the Third Coast International Audio Festival and Chicago Public Radio, this is ReSound. Have you ever gotten up on the wrong side of the bed? Have you ever awakened hating the world in general and yourself in particular? If you haven't, this program is not for you. Everything is fair game. Nothing is sacred. It kind of oozes out the edges and it ends up on the bathroom walls. That's on a good day. <laughs> I believe there's a place for experimental drama in radio. It's debatable whether it's too personal an experience. I don't think it is. Some of you may be offended, some revolted, some excited by the sharing of this experience. Each week on ReSound, we pull independent audio work from all over the globe, the internet, the cobwebbed corners of our colleagues' cupboards, and deliver it to you in a one-hour package. I'm Gwen Maxi. On today's show, one of my all-time favorite pieces of audio. It's called Dreaming of Fat Men, a conversation amongst women about food, men, mothers, fat, and oh, so much more. What's not to love? If you have more than one X chromosome, you'll relate. Then, The Walls, a soundscape of conversations between women, but this time they're written on the bathroom walls. And finally, an essay that explains, at long last, why women always go to the bathroom in twos. You're going to laugh, you're going to cry, fasten your seatbelt, and stick around. man worth his salt already knows why women go to the bathroom in twos to talk about men, to confirm, complain, compare, and conspire. Women, or most women anyhow, are born with a connection and an appreciation of each other that transcends pretty much everything, and is apparent pretty much everywhere. This is something that girls realize at about mm, age six. So 14 years ago, I couldn't keep it quiet any longer. I wrote and produced the essay you're about to hear, and I call it The International Language of Women. Women tell each other everything. And I mean everything. It was really disappointing, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. It's what men live in fear of, and we know it. (laughs) You didn't actually tell her that, did you? Now, I'm not just talking about best friends here. I'm talking relatives, acquaintances, complete and total strangers. In fact, at this very moment, somewhere in a crowded dressing room, one woman is turning to another, a woman she's never before laid eyes on, saying, Does this make me look fat? How about in the hips? I look hippie, don't I? No, you look great. Very flattering. Would I lie to you? Mind you, this is by no means limited to dressing rooms. Bathrooms, for instance are conversations waiting to happen. An interchange that begins with, could you hand me a paper towel, could easily wind up. Well, after my divorce, I went into a profound depression and put on 40 pounds, which my therapist attributes to low self-esteem. Everything is fair game, nothing is sacred. Then, you're kidding. He leaned over. No way. And he put his hand. I can't stand it. Right there. Oh my God. More than once, I've been waiting in a gynecologist's office and seen a woman thumbing through one of those 10 days to a new you, diet till you drop, but look to page 86 for the most outrageously high-calorie recipes you've ever seen in your whole entire life magazines. If I could only lose 15 pounds before the summer. Like a Greek chorus, 
perfect strangers will gather around to berate their bodies. Oh, please! I should be so fat. I mean, if, if my hips were any wider, I could swim in the Atlantic and the Pacific at the same time. You! I'm so fat, I have cellulite on my eyelids! Excuse me, my upper arm shakes on my It's an ageless, timeless, and thoroughly dependable tradition. Test it out. Next time you're in the sauna, throw out the word stretch marks and see what happens. Having an anxiety attack? Head for the ladies' lounge where Solace is a permanent resident. And when you can't shake the fight you just had with your mother, wander into the locker room where generations of women come to nod their head, cluck their tongues, and lend each other feminine hygiene products. It's always been like this. When I was a girl, we'd never dream of interrupting a delicious conversation just to go to the bathroom. So instead, we all went together. And frankly, nothing much has changed, except, of course, the nature of the conversation. It began with boys, boys, boys. Then it moved into boys, sex, fat. And now it continues with boys, sex, fat. With an occasional, what do you think I should do with my hair, thrown in. The universal language of women, that instant kinship that strikes among four X chromosomes, is unparalleled. Who else would walk up to you, lend you a safety pin, give you the name of a good hairstylist, and point out the lipstick on your tooth all in one fell swoop? Not that men don't have some advantages in life. They can write their names in the snow, and they don't have to wait in line to get into the john. But, you know, that's fine with me, because when it comes to getting into the women's room, it's worth the wait. Look here, girls. Take this advice and remember always in life. Into each heart, some tears must fall. The International Language of Women, an essay I produced for All Things Considered in 1991. And I think it's just as true now as it was then. Thank God. I'm Gwen Maxi, and you're listening to ReSound. We respectfully direct your attention to this modern morality tale. Dreaming of Fat Men, a great title and a great piece of radio. This story is about 40 minutes long, and personally, my only problem with it is it's too short. Here's the setup. Four women, all very large, are invited to a radio station in Ireland that's been decorated to look like a, quote, sumptuous boudoir. Lots of pink, some low lighting, candles, china, crystals, and a sumptuous feast. Now, none of these women have ever met before, and what ensues is a long conversation about everything. Food, fat, longing love, power family, and chocolate. It's a conversation you just want to dive right into like a spongy meringue. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Dreaming of Fat Men by producer Lorelai Harris. I'm fat and fabulous. I am big, cuddly, sexy, um, delicious. I'm a French pastry filled with cream. Um with a drizzle of dark chocolate. That's on a good day. (laughs) (laughs) 
eggs face. and, and quail's eggs. Mm, it smells oh. delicious in here. God almighty, oh. it's fantastic. The candles are beautiful. <laughs> Aren't they fantastic? Medieval. Wonderful. And let the banquet begin. Tonight, ladies, four big, beautiful women, we are licensed to fill. We are going to have our cake and eat it two, or three, or four. <laughs> <laughs> so dig in, warm up those knives and forks, and enjoy, because tonight there is no guilt. There is just pleasure. Mm. Wow. Shall we drink to abundance? Mm. Here. Abundance. To abundance. <laughs> Lovely wine. Mm. Delicious. Oh, yes. Mm. Well, now, where what do we do start? Eat first? Start, exactly. Prawns, perhaps? Mm. Mm. There's just so much to take in. Taste. Mm. 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 Oh, it's lovely. It's I'm not fruity? sure. Is it fruity? I think it's chutney, raspberry-ish. Would you like to try some of this? No, I don't think I will. Thank you very Is much. Is anyone experiencing any Thank guilt you. yet? No. I'm sorry, I don't experience guilt when I'm eating. No, no. no. Not no. Do you all diet? I used to. Well, I've tried lots of different diets. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't ever willingly dieted. I dieted when my mother was alive, or when I was a teenager, when my mother was alive, because she wanted me to. But ever since she died, no diets. Well, I remember my first diet was for two hundred dollars and a, a new wardrobe. That, oh, that's what so was offered to me. Mm-hmm. That my, my my father said, "Yes, I'll give you that. Uh, all the new clothes mm-hmm. that you need to fill your wardrobe, and um, two hundred dollars." And did you get it? No, no, I didn't. I wasn't successful. No, I, I just, in, in fact, I think I resented it. Will you yeah. drink to that, I tell you. Absolutely. Mm. Cheers. Mm. I'm currently dieting and still loving every solitary minute of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, that must be, um, I mean, it's interesting for me to see somebody as gorgeous as you oh. suddenly saying you are I now you. dieting. Mm. And Food is a good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Food is not a negative thing. It's no. a very good thing. So when did you discover this? I mean, when did you decide to, to go on a diet? I don't think I decided. Health-wise, it was decided for me mm, that uh-huh. I needed to lose weight. Now, that is the only angle that mm. I That is the on. only angle. I, I, I don't think I'd ever... I've tried umpteen diets. Mm. I've got a, a bookshelf at home, and there's literally like a full <laughs> row. Yeah. You know, I right would like to fit in your, better um, um, into what people consider the normal woman or the, the normal scene. For example, I won't go to a disco or a nightclub. I'd feel an awful lot more comfortable going to places like um, your old waltzes or your, your old tea dances, because the women there are more my size and my shape, and therefore I'm more acceptable. Whereas when I go to a disco or a nightclub I'm putting myself up in comparison to these other women who are all tall, leggy, perfectly proportioned and that makes me feel bad about myself. I feel um, frumpy, I feel awkward, 
I feel terribly self-conscious that people are, are watching me or looking at me as, as some kind of a freak. It's not something I enjoy doing, even though, and, and this is the farce of the whole situation, I love the music, I love the beat, I love to dance, and I love to dance disco as much as any other form of dance. But when I get there, I'm too conscious of myself to do it. So therefore, the whole thing doesn't work out as a good experience at all. Change your doctor. You know, the, the, a lot of doctors trot out this business about you're too fat and if you lost weight it would be mm. fine, just as a sort of panacea or a placebo. Right. No, I'm waiting, a, I'm awaiting an operation at the moment whereby they have to go in through my tummy and there's no way they could physically do it at the weight that I was. So right. it, it really was medical reasons that forced me to but do I so. Think, but I think on the whole it's really important to be very careful. I mean, I, I'm sure in your case it's right. But I think it's very important to be really careful about that stuff because mm. a lot of the time it's just offered it's as an... It's an easy answer, isn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. There's somebody sitting in and front it... of you, I'm not feeling well, what's the obvious thing? You know, your eyes are crossed. That's yeah. why. But also you it demonises fat, fat people, Absolutely. particularly fat women, and it becomes all your own fault. The trend in healthcare at the moment is that it's all your own fault. We're not going to do this operation because you smoke, we're not going to do this operation because you're fat, whatever mm. it happens to be, so that it completely takes the um, heat, of oh, oh, the onus yes. of healthcare and into the whole business of of, well. um, of it being your fault. Thank you. You're welcome. I like somebody always be at my elbow filling that glass. <laughs> filling glass. I like them a little lower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, whether at my elbow, they are lower. <laughs> well, what about, uh, what about men? I mean, do you find that... Let me just tell you this this little story. When I was in New York, when I was living in New York, I was chased down the street by a man who caught up with me and he was persistent enough to, to ask me to get a yes from me when he asked me to lunch. Only later did I find out that he was a chubby chaser. He liked, only liked, fat women, big women, voluptuous women, Rubenesque women, Junoesque women, whatever you want to call it. Bigger than the normal woman, mm-hmm. you know, you're normal, what is it? Juno-esque. Now, that really mm. got me angry, and I was, I was humiliated. Now, I have a funny thing about this. I, what I want in a man is, I want a man who is attracted to um, thinner women, but who chooses me you, over anyway. those thin women. Mm. I want him to pass that test. I put that test for him and I say, to me, if he just wants a fat woman um, or a big woman, well, that's not what I want. I want someone who, in spite of my bulk, of my size, wants me, looks beyond that. To me, it's like the ultimate test. Some men who who are very shallow like to be seen with very, very thin women, but Mm -hmm. they like to go to bed with with big Mm. women. Mm. Why do you think that is? It's warmth, it's sexuality, it's Mm. sensuality. It's a feeling of, you know, somebody is there, you know. I think it's that we try harder. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's right. I think that's right. I, I wouldn't think, know. Yeah. And I also think that we've actually stopped eating to talk about sex, and that says something very interesting. <laughs> I have to say I'm, I'm celibate, and I've been celibate for um, nearly seven years now. And I, I have this sense, although it's actually very good for me, and maybe now I'm, I've had enough of it as well. But it has been very good for me. But I have a sense that I possibly wouldn't have been celibate for that long if I hadn't been fat. Um, I think that there's that possibly I would have chosen to to end my celibacy quicker and all that kind of stuff. It, until you know, I needed all that time to come to terms, maybe with all the issues that were going on in my life. No, but I, yeah. but I also 
know that I wouldn't have had the space and time to do that if I had been more conventionally attractive. Mm. There's something about that that still isn't sorted. That still isn't think sus. My mother was also a fat woman, and she had a lot of problems with that. And on one particular occasion, um, I had a friend staying the night, and we were f messing around in the be in the bedroom in the morning and refusing to get up and being giddy like eleven or twelve-year-old girls tend to be, and being ridiculous and stupid and all of that. And my mother came into the room and she was furiously angry. She was wearing a vest and one of these. Um, old-fashioned corsets, a sort of bright pink thing that started under her bust and finished sort of halfway down her thighs and so on, and was, was very ugly. Um, and it, I remember distinctly it was soiled at the back as well, and it was just, there was something very sordid about how she looked, and she started walloping me. And as she walloped me, with every blow, she said, you are fat and ugly and disgusting. You are fat and ugly and disgusting. And this went on and on and on and was a total nightmare. And we were all completely hysterical, um, including my friend, who kept saying, but Mrs Gilbert, Mrs Gilbert, you can't do this to Maureen. She's your daughter. You're supposed to love her. You can't do this. Because none of this went on in her house. And through all this mayhem and hysteria, I remember being able to think... She's doing this because she hates herself. Everyone have enough to drink? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. <sighs> Big women, I find that they're, they're much softer and much more vulnerable, and I think, um, I think that's part of the reason why, well, for me at least, speaking for myself, why... Why I, I get bigger. First of all, I think it's a power thing to be more powerful, as powerful Absolutely. as my mother. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's an old battle, I think, um, mothers and daughters. I'm starting to like you here. <laughs> <laughs> She's giving us more reasons. I'm more than just a pretty face, Claire. <laughs> Obviously, You've Mama had a big this. hand in this. <laughs> big being the operative word. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now, you see, I can associate with that very much. I would claim that I have got bigger down through the years because... My mother <laughs> constantly wanted me to be smaller mm. or constantly mm. told people, you know, if somebody came up and said, gosh, isn't your daughter lovely? Yes, but you haven't seen her cousin and she's only size 10. Well, I <laughs> cannot you know, blame my down. mother because oh, my can. mother has even used to say in the last couple of years, for sure a woman in business has to be big. You have to be noticed. So there I've you never go. You're associating that with power now. That's something mm -hmm. I, I feel I do. T I do too. Now, a man. Mm -hmm. If a man is is fat, let's mm. just use the word fat. If a man is fat, he's not called fat. He's called big. He's mm. called powerful. He's called solid. Mm -hmm. A woman is called fat, weak-willed, um, frumpy. frumpy. Let's get into the dirty yeah. ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But also nobody's dared call me this. Not to your also face. that sense of Not being engulfing. I think men are. There's a, there are some men who are very frightened of being engulfed. There are other men who long to be engulfed. There's hundreds Hence of men who are intimidated by us, grossly intimidated by Poor us. Poor them. God yeah. help them. Yeah. Too bad. Tough. I have to say that, and anyone I have ever been with, it has never been a problem. Do you know what I mean? It has never affected. Has it, been, has it never been a problem for them, but a problem for you? Do you apologise for yourself? Do you try too hard because of it? No. You don't? Oh, no. Don't you? Mm, no. no. I've never had a problem with the men I've ended up with. That's what I'm saying. No, but I'd have a huge problem with men in general. Because I find, because I work for myself and I work in business, I find a lot of men look at me as one of the boys. I'm not actually looked at as a woman. 
I which I feel hundred percent. Well, are you saying moment? Sorry, I'm sorry. I was just wondering if Claire was saying that because. Because of her size, or because oh, of purely of what, because of what my you do. Size. No, purely because they of look my at size. you as as one of the boys yeah. because of your size. Yeah. You're but not a sexual object. Not to them. a sexual object. But is it exactly. important to be sexual to everybody you meet? I don't yes. know if it is. Um, I think it yes, is. Maureen. It's important it to be respected <laughs> as a woman. There are two sexes there. There are. There are men and there are women, and it's nice to be appreciated and respected for what it is you are. And I am a woman. Each one of us are a woman, and it's nice to be respected as that. I, I think they respect me as a woman. I just mm. because they don't want to screw me doesn't mean one okay. way or the other. Right. What type of man goes to you? Because I have a problem, and I have discussed this long <laughs> and into the dark hours of the night with some of my mutual We've friends. We've got time. Go on. Right. <laughs> right. Why is it little men like me? Think I often wonder how I'm men actually see me. If I'm going into a crowd, a room or a party or a dinner or whatever, where people don't know me, there's always a, a dwarf in the room who's male, who sees me and his eyes light up. And I am always nervous of these people because I feel, my God, he's going to be sitting on my knee next, whispering into my ear. And I start beating him off with a look. They invariably end up by talking to me. Um, whereas I want the tall one to talk to me. Um, I want the one because you know inside me there's a little woman wanting to be protected at all times. <laughs> if, uh, if if a male gives out the thing of you're my little woman, that's him in, right? I I will I will look after him forever. <laughs> but who really loves me is the small little man, which embarrasses me because they make me feel kind of nervous that I'm going to stand on them. <laughs> Or kill them or sit on them by accident or whatever. Um, I'd love to get into, say, the mind thing, you know, or really, you know, two minds can meet. But this, I'm, I'm as bad as anyone else when it comes to physical size and, and how they look. <laughs> Show me a pillow, Mama. That was so wonderful. Why are we passing on to something? I'm sure it's delicious, but even still. Oh, mm, this, one was too, this one was too close to Maureen. Now it's close to me. Oh. Oh my goodness! Yes. Oh wow! Oh, this is us. Oh, yeah. yeah, sure. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I just don't want them in my mouth. She doesn't want to have to suck them and chew into them. No. Now you have to say that wasn't me, Mom. Oh look, oysters! Oh Jesus, I'm gonna die. Oh look, bulgur wheat! Oh God, how gorgeous! Ooh, with strawberries. Mm. I mean, this is beautiful. Oh. Look at the lobster. Lobster! Mm. <laughs> oh, I can't Gorgeous. believe it. This it's is perfect for my diet, seafood, because I oh, see yeah. food and I eat. I eat food. <laughs> <laughs> Hunger is a sensation that I, I don't allow myself to feel very often. When I do, and I prepare food for myself, or I, I, I buy something and I eat it. The feeling of of eating is 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 indescribably good. Do I, do I really like food? Binging makes me unhappy because binging to me is not enjoying the food. Binging is satisfying some other need. Um, 
when I want something, when I want love, when I want success, when I want approval, um, I wish I would just go to the right place instead of going to the store um, or the refrigerator or the larder. I, I know I'm not really getting what I want. That makes me unhappy. It makes me unhappy that I haven't resolved that in my life yet. It makes me unhappy that I still turn to food and use it like a drug, um, like alcohol, like, like, uh, like compulsive shopping. That makes me unhappy. I'm because I'm I'm just a, a, a I'm just a slave to it. When I enjoy food for what it is, when I taste it, when I prepare it, when I look at it and 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 take it into my body with love, then I'm happy. Then I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And it's not about the weight. But when I use it to punish myself, when I use it because I'm not getting what I want, I, I'm, I'm desperate then, and I, and I hate it. Um, and I, I, I just... I'm, I'm very, very angry at myself and angry at the food, and I, I don't even enjoy it. I... No, then I hate it. Why do you use food as a, as a, I don't know, as something other than what it is, than, than to nourish? I saw this fabulous cartoon mm -hmm. in the, um, the New Yorker magazine. One mouse says to another, cheese is only a substitute for the love you never gave me. <laughs> <laughs> but they do say chocolate is, don't they? I'm an instant gratification type person. If I can't get what I want immediately, be it success or love or... Um, reassurance then I need something else now mm -hmm. when I had money mm. I used to uh, when I was living abroad I, I was making some more money mm. than I am now I would spend my money mm -hmm. and I'd buy clothes and I was much thinner because I would I would put all of that desire for instant gratification into, into buying, buying. Mm -hmm. uh, or you know going out with lots of different men that was another pastime of mine mm -hmm. but now that I'm kind of monogamous not making as much money what do I turn to you know I turn to mm. Food. Mm. But it's the other way. I mean, I live on my own, right? So, presumably people think I should be living on beans on toast or something. Instead mm -hmm. of which I cook myself extremely nice meals, and it's all a sort of form of, of loving myself. You know, and then, it, then the whole Absolutely. thing becomes a sort of akin to masturbation in some way. <laughs> you know, it's slightly evil. And I shouldn't be... <laughs> you and I. <laughs> and I shouldn't be doing it. You know, mm. I should be very chaste and wearing flannelette 90s and eating beans on toast. Whereas, in fact, I'm eating delicious food that I cook for myself and sit down and eat with great pleasure. Particularly, I'm interested in how it looks and how it tastes. And um, and I wear satin nightdresses, I mean, you know. <laughs> and clearly this is something that's slightly kinky about this. But, you know, what do you mean you cook for yourself, they mm. say, as though this is some sort of terrible sort of paedophile wickedness that I get up to, for which presumably in a, in a civilised society I'd be put in jail. Mm. Um, and... I, there's nothing about it. It's about pleasure. It's about loving mm. yourself. It's you mean you, you take a lot? You, you actually take a lot of pleasure in eating. You don't ever just oh. stuff down a whole packet of biscuits or anything. No, no. I, God, I, I take I have great oh, pleasure no, in I don't. eating. You don't. I have nervous no, no, food. No. You three. You're saying. Food. You're telling me that three of you have never taken a packet of biscuits and eaten it from start to finish. I don't like no. sweet things. But well, I, I have. Sweet things. I have taken chocolates, mm. and I have eaten the chocolates. My husband died 10 years ago and uh, I was 33 at the time with four very young children ranging from 12 to 2. Um, and in, the, in those years I have put on weight. 
Some people store food much more effectively than others. That's the unfortunate thing. I would probably, I'd like to think, um, hang over from the famine or <laughs> some sort of carry relations instilled in me the genes of storing food. Um, I know my dieting, I have been on diets, and I certainly have been on diets when I was okay. When I think back at it now, I say I must have been mad. But this again, would I would have been younger and I wanted to be perfect. I think about 19, I remember getting diet pills from the chemist and they were brilliant. I mean, I just didn't eat. I was going around like a lunatic. Um, I, I, I was a live wire. I was electric. I never stopped talking. I must have bored everyone to death. And I got thinner and thinner. Um, it was quite dangerous because my period stopped. You know, I just, I'm looking back now and saying, goodness, why, why did I feel the need to go on a diet? And I think I was trying to make myself smaller rather than thinner. And it must be layered with some pesto sauce, which is made of basil, I think. Mm. Basil and Courgettes. pine nuts and oh, garlic and anchovies. And Fresh basil. Lovely. Olive oil. And oh, gimme, gimme, gimme. Do, do the men in your lives understand you. your thing about eating? If they didn't, how would they be men in their lives? Um, I think that, t- well, I think mine at any rate is too understanding. Way mine, too understanding. Mine, mine is a fairly recent one. Mm. Mine is a fairly recent mm. one, and it has, it seems to have focused a lot on food, which is unusual for me. Um, How do you mean you take food to bed with you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, Maeve didn't say that. No, no. <laughs> children, I didn't say that. Um, no, um, he has cooked for me which is an unusual experience for a person who's always cooking for somebody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a real plus that mm-hmm. anyone cooks for me. So he's taking care of you? He's taking care Can of me. Can you accept that? Um, I have a problem, but I mean, I do. But I had seen one afternoon at home a Greta Garbo film, and she took a bunch of grapes, and she held them up to her face, and there was this man opposite her, and he was, he was dissolving, and she, <laughs> and she buried her face into them, bit them off one by one and he was I mean he was in a pool at her feet so there was I, I sitting at my friend's That's dinner table and there was this bunch of grapes and I thought well now I'm going to try this thing is I had really enjoyed the meal mm-hmm. and I said right so I took the bunch of grapes and I buried my face in it and I started eating them and then I looked up and there was this bewildered expression <laughs> on his face <laughs> and he said I said is that alright and he said I just wonder where you're going to leave me honey <laughs> So the whole thing was wasted. So have things changed since the 30s? The style has got thinner. That's one of the things. Well, Garbo was very thin. But I have this whole theory about sensuality, that women used to be able to be controlled in all sorts of ways, particularly economically. Mm. Now women have... Um, enfranchisement, uh, women are involved in business, women ha- can control their own fertility. So the way to control women is to stop them eating. Put down that lobster. I put down that lobster. As she sits there with this giant open his lobster, just kind of drying over. It's an object of desire as far as I'm concerned. This is my liberation. This lobster is my liberation. 
this is my parents would be rotating in their graves, God help them. <laughs> oh, she's eating lobster, forget now it. Bury this your is, face in this. This is freedom. <laughs> this is lack of constraint. This is about what it is to be me. This lobster is not a lobster. This lobster is life. <laughs> <laughs> the business about being thin and the stereotype of being thin is about controlling women's consumption, controlling women's sizes, controlling women's power. Well, then I'm the weirdest partner in the world because he's the only one who cooks in our house and he overfeeds me the men. Maybe That's he wants wonderful. to keep you to himself. Exactly, the okay. very thing. All right. The very thing. Claire, Claire and if so, you were, you a couple mind? have, I, I don't know, I'm just saying, if you were stones thinner so that you would look like some of your models mm -hmm. would he be afraid that someone well, you would see, come and grab you see the beauty is is that he not that they wouldn't come and grab you mm -hmm. right now no, but because you are, you are incredibly grabbable claire Thank i must you say so very much susie <laughs> <laughs> but i mean this man came into my life when i was much larger than what i am now i've had portions within we're eight years together i've had portions in that life where i've been four five six stone lighter than what i am now and he has never changed really? he is mm. constant and he feeds me and drools me with all these he lavishes me Completely. Look, there, are times, about. there are times I've actually got to take him aside and say, please stop. Do you know, don't do this anymore. Which hmm. is worrying. Maybe it's the new modern man. You if know. he gets fed up, send him round. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take your name and address later. I've always been heavy. And my friends in italics used to call me Claire Magellan, custard, stick your head in mustard. And children, I think, can be extremely cruel. And children can be very hurtful. And they can say things to you. They can really get to the point of a problem. Um, and they certainly did in my youth. Um, and growing up all the way through my teens... All the way through, I have always been heavy. It's it's something I've always experienced my whole life long. Um, I took the ridicule. I, I took uh, the, the nasty comments, the, the funny looks, the funny stares. But I never actually took control of the situation. And I never actually did anything about it for myself. That's what's exciting. What about the humiliating aspect of being big? This, this happened to me. Okay, I was driving a big blue van, which is another... Past time of yours? No, it, I, I suppose it's another indicative symbol. I drive a big blue van. Um, stopped at a red light, and across the way, there's a car going the other way. The guy rolls down his window, and he shouts out at me what I think is massive. <laughs> now, I was humiliated. Now, am I paranoid? No. Or did no. he say massive, or did he say massage me? <laughs> <laughs> You see, what would be very interesting is to talk to somebody who's a standard size 10 or 12 who's also had some guy shout something shout, out shout. a door yeah. and he, she is probably equally as embarrassed. She's probably equally as humiliated. Oh, I once got stoned. I was standing oh, yes. under... Stoned, not stunned. All right. I mean stoned as in... Stoned as in stones thrown at me. I was standing underneath oh, Centre Point in London waiting for a bus and a white high ace van came round and the Guys leaned out and they leered at me. There were loads of other people in the bus queue. They went round centre point, they came back and they threw stones at me. Now, they could have had a choice of hundreds of people they could have thrown stones at. And I suppose it's my paranoia that I thought they're throwing stones at me because I look weird. But, but, you don't, but it was but you very... Don't look weird. Well, I mean, I, I, as I say, I think it was my paranoia, but it was a very unpleasant experience. Why choose me out of... You know, I've, I've come to accept that I'm fat, that I'm going to be fat, and I would like to be seen to be attractive and fat rather than unattractive and fat. 
I think if the, you know, if the fairy godmother came along and waved the magic wand, I would want to be prettier. Um, and that strikes me as being the thing I'd like most. Um, I would also quite like to get rid of my stomach. Um, I have this completely romanticised notion that if I didn't have my belly, then I would be some sort of you know, gorgeous, Rubenesque creature trolling about with, you know, draped in, in velvet and eating grapes and looking gorgeous. Um, I think I'd better have another face for that as well. Um, so that's what I would like to change. Did I tell you about my experience as a life model? No. As a, yes, I, I would take off all my clothes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and stand in front of a group of um, men and women with a little heater at the side mm -hmm. to keep, mm -hmm. to keep my, myself warm. And I would, I would pose, you know, do this. Yeah, and I used yeah. to draw. Yeah. So you drew. Well, I was, I was, you know, I was a model, and it really was, it was a buzz because, first of all, because you know you could you could just feel your your body, and and you'd also feel the response of the artists, drawing you. You know, you kind of filled the air with. Did your you ever emotion. have a negative experience though? Did you no, ever have a bad? I, never I had did. one bad no. one. I did it once and once only, and one smart ass at the end of the class drew the back of a bus. Oh, oh wow. that is disgusting. Once and once only. I hope he died roaring. Obviously, he artistically capable of capturing your wonderfulness. capturing me. No. <laughs> well, I think that big, beautiful women really need to celebrate, to just... When was the last time you've been squeezed? <laughs> <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, I just have a little song for you. And what it's about is about taking the ripe the juicy fruit in life and just allowing yourself to fully enjoy it and and really just putting it out there for others. So I'm going to dedicate this to the four of us. Good. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Here's a sweet and juicy mango. Come and taste <laughs> my juicy mango. But if you're too busy now, tell you what I can do. Well, I can pass it around and bring it on back to you. Everybody loves a... Sometimes I love the way I look. Sometimes I catch glimpses of myself in a store window or in a mirror, and I say, wow, you know, that's a, that's a great-looking woman. Um, very attractive, exotic. And sometimes I wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, and I say, why? Why did I binge last night? Why couldn't I have just woken up and, and been a, a size 10 or a size 12? Or why couldn't, I be, why couldn't I be different? Why couldn't I look like that model or, or that fabulous-looking woman? Sometimes I cry. I get very weepy. Um, I just... I just cry and I say, why don't I have the willpower to be, not skinny, I mean, I'm not asking to be, to be model thin. Why don't I have the willpower to just get it into that, that, that dynamic, strong um, package that, that, I, that I envision? Why is that? Why don't I have the willpower? So yeah, sometimes I, I cry about it, especially when I go shopping. Shopping is torture. It's torture to go into the shops, see something I like, look through the sizes, and then say, well, wait a minute, where's my size? <laughs> I 
love to see a thin woman try and sing that properly. Properly. Yeah, because it had the vibration and everything, didn't it? Did you feel the earth move? Oh, I did. My toes opened and shut that time. Of course, you have the words written down for all of us later. And can you teach me that movement? I like that movement, the one that you kind of go from all the way down from the top of the neck down. Top of the knees. That's the shaky one. Yeah. The shaky is kind of a little. Yeah. It's kind of a little Marilyn Monroe move, isn't it? It's kind of a little. Well, you know, she was the, the ultimate. The, mm. Yeah, she was the original, the ultimate. She was. I mean, they she had was a big woman. They had mm. to sew her into yes. her clothes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And she's, and she's really considered the biggest uh, sex object. I see myself as curvaceous, voluptuous, um, bubbly in every possible way, from personality to figure. Um, but I feel very comfortable when I'm being outrageous with clothes or when I'm um, fully dressed, let's say. Whereas I wouldn't be as comfortable when I would be naked, for example. I'd be forever conscious of where is the fat falling, where is the fat lying right now. And it's very hard to allow the the, the, the sensuous or the womanly parts of yourself to come through when you're being conscious of something as ridiculous in one way as where is the fat falling at this moment in time. It is very tragic that I am now 34 years of age and it's only now that I feel that I'm getting control of my own sexuality or, or the sexual sides of myself, true control of those that I um, up until now, I would have been so conscious of my body shape that it would have held me back quite a lot um, sexually. It would have intimidated me, if you like. I would be forever conscious of what my body looked like to the opposite sex. At all times, um, no matter where I was, I would be forever conscious uh, in a sexual situation. If I became attracted to somebody, um, I would always stop to think, what, what way did he see me? Or um, what did I look like to him? And the images that were conjured up inside my head were not positive. They weren't good images. Is Susie sucking on a lobster claw? And if this isn't sex, I want to know what is. <laughs> Food is just sensuality. It's taste, it's flavour, it's texture. These oysters that 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 slide down your throat. I can't even talk. I'm so excited. It's <laughs> food is just erotic. And that's what it is. Beans on toast aren't erotic. I'm now wiping the drools <laughs> off your chin. <laughs> but this is about what life is about. Have mm. any of the rest of you suffered like this? That your mum yes. suffered? Your mum handed you a plate as yes. large as your dad's. And, and then she it. called you fat afterwards. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know that that's what you're supposed to be. You know that wonderful joke of Alan Sherman's called Why I Am Fat? Mm. He was a child just after the war. And his mother used to say, eat up all your dinner, Alan. Mm. Remember all the starving children in Europe? Yes, we and he used, used to get that to, one. And he used to eat all the food on his plate, genuinely believing that by eating all his dinner, he was helping the starving oh, children. God in help Europe. us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they, they say the that times. the most <laughs> sensuous thing a woman can do is to eat in front of a man. It's well, supposed to be the most intimate thing that I two have people just told can do you together. To my I know grapes. you and your grapes. <laughs> I have just told you. I, I remember mean, having a boyfriend. I had a bad once. experience. So and well. mind you, he, he was much more mature than me. Maybe I should have stuck to him now that I come to think of it. But um, he was a much older man. Oh, and he used to buy me chocolate. Oh, just yeah. to watch me eat it. Mm. And whenever mm. we'd be travelling anywhere, he'd buy me a bar of chocolate and sit opposite me in the train and watch, and watch me. I remember one Easter. He, didn't, he couldn't buy me an Easter egg big enough 
So he bought me three of them. Huge big let me, Easter eggs. Let me to see watch you eat something, eat Claire. Them. Certainly, Susie. Are you with this? Yes. Now, I do need sauce for this because, I mean, okay. if we're going to do this, <laughs> let, let's do this correctly. I mean, this sauce is just divine. Absolutely let me describe gorgeous. Claire for a second. Mm, okay. She is she is luscious. She mm-hmm. is, I'd say she's she's a bonbon with um, with Grand Marnier liqueur in the centre because she's got this gorgeous, rusty, dusty red hair and um, this, this cute little nose and this this lush body. She's just, she's, she's luscious. And Can I buy this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you come round? I'll pay you to come round. <laughs> it was me you wanted to buy. <laughs> you also. The but Dolly Parton like looks alive. I'm jealous of this, Claire. Look how dainty she is. Look how dainty she is. Yeah, the way she's holding the fork but with see. her French manicured nails <laughs> and jewellery up the wazoo. She's so dainty. Go ahead. But I love the taste of food. I don't need large amounts of it. It's the sauce here mixing with the crab. Are you with this? Here we go. <gasps> oh. oh. She surrounded it with her red lips mm. and she didn't let it she didn't really bite into it she just mm. kind of kind of put it onto her Easy tongue and like you said earlier some women are into chewing forget the chew just get it in taste it leave it slide the whole way down and then feel the satisfaction of when it hits home honey oh, <laughs> oh no and cook and boil oh, 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 look at this sounds like she wants to get a breast of you don't be stingy that's one of the things that really bugs me you know these awful skinny women who say things like oh no I can't I'm being good <laughs> why can't they be bad, bad ones oh my oh, but look at this oh, I mean this, this is the do? ultimate because you've got the shoe pastry you've got yeah. the chocolate stuffed with cream and then you've got all this fruit this my luxurious God, that's gorgeous plenty. fruit oh I don't believe this. Oh. Miss Gather Bum to the Well, this is beautiful. <laughs> We've got some. Get, no sauté. Oh, sweet sauté. Sweet sauté. Oh. Oh. Claire? Thank you thank very you. much. I just love the flow of the wine. That's loads. Thank you. I love sweets. I love things like puffs of cream and warm chocolate sauce. I'm, that's my favourite. I mean. I think ice cream is mine. Sweets. I just could. I mean, this this thing is just my idea of heaven I mean look at this it's like it's dark chocolate it's warm cho- I li- literally I, yeah it is I could this liquid is sex. where I have some fun I mean I, I literally can just lick it off my fingers I love this mm. I re- I do I love it I mean you- no mm. I like ice cream I, no mm. I, I, I'm totally with Susie mm. I love 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 this is chocolate beautiful. and the more the merrier I adore it I'm obviously a pervert. <laughs> no, I don't think so. My my idea of of um, dessert would be passion fruit, ripping open the passion fruit with my teeth, and then the bittersweet seeds inside. Here, let's grab. That's a pawpaw, for God's sake. Well, okay. Do they have any passion fruit? No. I love the sweetness combined with the bitterness, and this is is especially exciting because it's warm, and and it's 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 dark. I mean, just the color of it. Dip chocolate into into hot coffee laced with brandy. Just dip a bar of chocolate into it. I have suck it slowly. I love the feeling. Do you know what I do? Now listen to this. It's warm. I take a chocolate bar and I put it between my breasts and I kind of squeeze my cleavage so that the chocolate gets to the perfect I swear, (laughs) perfect temperature. Because chocolate shouldn't be hard. 
and cold. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have you me mesmerised here. Yeah. I mean, I hope you always love Sometimes I say, wow, I'm, I'm glad I am who I am. I accept myself. I accept my, my body, even though it's a bit on the big side and it's more difficult to, to find clothes, to find clothes that I like to wear. Other times I say, well, it's time. Today's the day. Or more, more likely I say tomorrow's the day for the, for the diet to start. <laughs> Why... Why um, do today what you can put off until tomorrow? That's what I always say. Dreaming of Fat Men by producer Lorelai Harris. I could sit and listen to these women talk for hours. This story exemplifies what's so great about our medium. The visual is taken away, and without it, we don't know what these women look like, how big they are, how much we like or don't like to look at them, and that strips away our prejudices to the point where you can actually hear what they have to say. How often does that happen? When Dreaming of Fat Men originally aired on Ireland's RTE Radio 1, it was, quote, received with a mixture of amusement, affection, and bewilderment. So what did you think? Did you like it as much as I did, or do you think I'm crazy? Don't worry, you wouldn't be the first. Send us your comments and questions. Our email address is resound at thirdcoastfestival.org. The average woman uses more makeup today than even existed when mother was our age. With makeup now so attractive and easy to use, there's no longer any such thing as an unattractive woman, just a lazy one. Would you believe an electric broom with a houndstooth check sweeper bag, modern art towels and shower curtains, riotously colored floor coverings, and plaid Toilet seats. Manufacturers call it the modern look. It's all kicking and fun, and it makes being a housewife just a bit less of a chore when we can have color in unexpected places. You're listening to ReSound, curated by the Third Coast Festival from Chicago Public Radio. I'm Gwen Maxide. Earlier, we heard an essay about why women talk to strangers in bathrooms about intimate things. Then we heard a conversation between women at a dinner table. Now we combine a conversation between women in the bathroom discussing intimate things. But this conversation started out as graffiti on bathroom stalls. Now, the restroom is not the most common place for a tape recorder, but there was something very different about the way women were communicating in this particular forum that captured producer Laura Vitale's attention. In everyday conversation, I didn't hear girls like expressing their worries and their, their angst to each other, yet when you go into the bathroom, there's this overflow of it. It kind of oozes out the edges and it ends up on the bathroom walls when there's the anonymity to protect you so you can really you know, ask your questions. So that contrast is what really interested me. Now, some of the language, sounds, and themes of this piece are 
well, maybe we should just have Laura give the disclaimer. I would say that because I tried to describe the setting in a realistic way, there are the appropriate bathroom noises. It also includes some really candid asking and giving of advice. There's some very explicit sexual talk. So there you go. Explicit talk about intimate subjects in the bathroom. Sensitive listeners, we'll see you next week. For all the rest of you, here's The Walls by Laura Vitale. erasing the writing. What was the last thing that made you breathless? Dream a little, pee a little, sing a little, study a little, love a lot. Ladies, check the other stalls too. We need to share the graffiti love. Funny how much time we spend in such cramped and enclosed spaces. I'm not idealistic, necessarily, but I had a dream where you wake up and see I'm right. What's love? Is it possible to be unboyfriendable? Based on my experiences, unfortunately, yes. Hey now, I still have hope. Keep the faith alive. You're probably too consumed with yourself and scare guys away. What do you hate? Disillusion. Cilantro. Freshly painted bathroom When friends walls. are mad, when and, friends are mad and they won't tell you why. Breaking wet leaves. Uncomfortable shoes. Feeling fat. Being fat. Being screwed. Holiday wear and knowing it's my like fault. carrot juice. What do you love? Holding him when I'm Clementine. Memories. Realizing that this, my boy, this is where it really gets good. What do you hate? More importantly, what do you love? I'll talk and no action. Free stuff and quality men. Yeah, seriously. Cuddling. Quiet morning, small place, sleeping to sit in the right place. Fart in front of and laugh with till you cry. Hugs, long naps, laughing fits, small places to sit, and the right words at the right time. Admiring someone. So my BF and I tried to have orgasms last night. It didn't work because we were trying too hard to get that physical pleasure without necessarily connecting emotionally at that point. I feel so bad. I feel like I've just objectified myself, objectified the orgasm, rather than engage in lovemaking. It makes it difficult for me to face him now. I feel like I just slipped into a gender role, a sex object, an object of lust. What now? The same thing happened with me and my boyfriend. We talked about it and got all our fears and discomforts out. If he cares about you, it'll be all right. If, if that, that night breaks up the relationship, relationship it's, it's not worth saving. saving. But there's only one way to find out. Talk to him. Okay, you should masturbate because it's really easy for you to have and control your orgasm. <laughs> that way you can make love and not think about it too much. Hi, this has been really therapeutic for me. Thank you to all who wrote back. My relationship with my boyfriend is going well and strong now. We sorted things out. I never want to objectify my body or another person's body ever again. Love and solidarity to women. I'm gay. Cool.
Worst words to hear from significant others. I just don't feel that spark feeling in my gut with you. I spend so much time thinking about how amazing you are that sometimes I have to be addicted. I can't promise you passion. So I still really care about you, but I need some time to sort out other stuff in Uh, my life. I don't choose who you fall in love with. I don't know. Either it happens or it doesn't happen. I mean, I'll love you, but I'm not in love with you. I want you to know you weren't just a piece of ass. You can't depend on me anymore. The Walls by Laura Vitale. Laura produced this piece for Inside Out, a program on Brown Student Radio in Providence, Rhode Island. Used to be one of the ones and likes you for Used to be one of the eighteen ones and likes you for Used to be one of the eighteen ones and likes you for now you're all gone, got your makeup on And you're not coming back, can't you come back? Used to be one of the rotten ones And I let you feel that Used to be one of the rotten ones And I let you feel that Used to be one of the rotten ones And I let you feel that Now you're all gone, got your makeup on And you're not ReSound is a production of Chicago Public Radio and the Third Coast International Audio Festival. I'm Gwen Maxide. The program is produced by Roman Mars and curated by Johanna Zorn and Julie Shapiro of the Third Coast Festival. You can hear today's program through thirdcoastfestival.org, where you can also hear dozens of outstanding documentaries from around the world. Generous support for the Third Coast Festival is provided by the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the National Endowment for the Arts, and the Illinois Humanities Council. Music for ReSound is provided by Reckless Records in Chicago. If you want to contact us, we would love to hear from you. Email us at resound at thirdcoastfestival.org. Resound returns next week with more radio that you can't hear anywhere else, unless you live everywhere else. <laughs>